Good morning, y'all. <clears throat> oh, man. It's good to see everybody today. Um, my name is Tommy Jones. I'm the pastor of this particular establishment. Uh, we are on week three of our basic series. And, man, I've enjoyed this. Like, we said this from the beginning. Basic doesn't mean simple. And basic doesn't mean easy. Basic means foundational. Basic is that, that thing, that knowledge you have that you can build on, like a good pair of jeans or a black dress. It's just, it's something that you've got that you can add other things to, but there has to be some starting point. And so basic is where we start. And, and we've talked about this too. Like if you're in here and you've never heard of this stuff, we are so glad you're here. We, we exist so that you might come to hear these things and you shouldn't be embarrassed. It's not your fault. How could you know if no one taught you? And so we're trying to break these things down in a way uh, where people don't have to come in here and learn our code to know what we're talking about. That shouldn't be that way. Uh, You shouldn't have to learn our language to figure out the gospel. We should learn to speak to you in a language that makes sense. And so that's what we're doing. And we're breaking down some complex things and, and we're making them where hopefully we can understand them. We've covered some cool stuff the last few weeks. And if you weren't here, uh, just trust me, it was cool. Um, or you can go back and watch it and judge for yourself. It's on Vimeo or Facebook or whatever. This week we're moving on to part three of this series. And um, when, when uh, Jeff and I, Jeff and my, my brother Jeff, by the way, Jeff's wife is over. Give it up for Susan over there. Here's Jeff's wife. I talk about my brother all the time, but the truth is uh, he's been through many things in life that should have completely humbled him, Uh, just he's got some issues that would humble a normal man. But Susan has been the encouragement in his whole life, so good job with that, Susan. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So so what am I talking about? Oh, yes. So this week we get to talk about my, Jeff and I are playing this thing, and we got to this part. We were both excited because this is a topic that we should preach about more often than we do. And today we're not talking about something. Today we get to talk about someone. And the someone we get to talk about is this, the Holy Spirit. I love him. And I love that we get to discuss this. Because if we we don't get this, nothing else matters. Like we only, and we talked about sanctification last week. That happens through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We talked about repentance. That happens under the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything hinges on our understanding and acknowledgement of the Holy Spirit. And so today and next week, we get to discuss the power that empowers this church. And while most people in church today would exist, that the Holy Spirit exists, I contend that most people have no real understanding of his power and his presence. As a matter of fact, uh, when we, we had, our, we had our, uh, our sermon discussion group Wednesday night, it was fun, but we had people from all different denominations in there. And if you ask people from all different denominations to tell me about their experience with the Holy Spirit, you will get some very different stories, right? I mean, you have some people who believe that the Holy Spirit empowers them to run up and down the aisle and, you know, do sparklers or whatever. And you have some people that believe the Holy Spirit empowers them to sit stone-faced and silent the entire time. And this church says that this church has no Holy Spirit. And this church says that this church has no Holy Spirit. And they're always they're firing Holy Spirit missiles back and forth at each other. And so all these people have all these different ideas. And some people say, well, the Holy Spirit allows me to sing this way. And some people say, the Holy Spirit allows me to handle snakes. And so there's no wonder that the outside world has no real idea about the Holy Spirit because we don't share 
an idea about the Holy Spirit. And as a matter of fact, if someone experiences the Holy Spirit in a way that we don't, we say, that's not the Holy Spirit. And then someone else will say, well, I've got this gift and you don't, so you must not have the Holy Spirit. It's like, what? The Holy Spirit is a unifier of the bride and the enemy has tried to use it to divide us. And so today we're not going to get into a bunch of uh, you know, nebulous silliness arguments about the Holy Spirit. Today I, we're going to hopefully talk about the things we all agree on. And in doing that, my hope is that, that we will become united and maybe know God a little more and maybe experience a little more of the Holy Spirit. And for a lot of churches, the benchmark of success has become attendance, right? But you don't need the Holy Spirit to draw a crowd. You can get some talented people and do some things, and a crowd will be drawn. What the, the benchmark of success should be the fruit, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit should be evident, and that's not always just a big crowd. It's people who are being transformed and changed. And so that's only possible when the Holy Spirit is leading your church, so you can understand why it's so important we have a discussion about him. So let's start with this. Who is the Holy Spirit? First, we believe this. He is God. Genesis 1, 1 and 2 says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Okay. So, in the beginning was God. And he created the heavens and the earth, but, but it's the spirit that's hovering over the water. So what I'm about to talk about is something in church known as the Trinity. And it is this belief, now follow me on this, that there is one God, and he is Yahweh. And he, he's the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and he's always been. But within that God, there are three beings, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So there is one God, yet they are three. Yet those three are one, and those one are three. And they are all God. Does everyone understand that? Are you with me? Why isn't this simple? So I had this amazing analogy, right? I ordered a triangular Rubik's Cube. I thought this was really clever until my daughter messed it up and I couldn't fix it. And Ronnie Wallace had to fix it for me. But it had, it had these sides and one side was blue and one side was yellow and one side was green. And I, in my infinite wisdom, was going to explain the Trinity by showing you that the blue side was distinct and unique. And the green side was distinct and unique. And whatever the other color side was distinct and unique. But they were all one Rubik's Cube. But then I found out something. My triangle had four sides. Because there was a bottom. And then I thought maybe I would just tell you that, you know, I, I, there was nothing. So I just stopped. Because I became confused by my own analogy. So here's the truth. <laughs> this is really complicated. And no one fully understands it. And the person who says they do, they are, they are more deceived than the person who admits they have no idea. Because within our God, there are some divine mysteries that we can't possibly fully understand. And the fact that he can be God the Father, fully God the Father and distinct and unique. And God the Son, Jesus Christ, fully distinct and unique. And God the Holy Spirit, fully Holy Spirit, distinct and unique. But one God, I don't fully understand that. And I'm okay with that. Because I don't have to understand everything about my God. As a matter of fact, if you want a God you can understand, you should get a small God. A little God. Because they're easy to understand. Big gods are a little complex. And we have a really, really, really big God. 
So big, in fact, that, that when he would show these different attributes to the ancient people, to the Hebrews, that those attributes would actually take on a name, like the wisdom of God is, is not God. He's a coworker of God, but he's also God. And the word of God became flesh, and that's the son, but he's also God. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust me, the Holy Spirit's God. Trust me because I trust him and you trust him. And I don't fully understand it, and I don't know that I ever will. But in some divine, mysterious way, the Holy Spirit who inhabits us, God's power and God's presence on earth and in us, that is God. But different. But the same. You with me? All right, let's move on. So that's who he is. He is God, yet he's different and distinct because he's God's power and God's presence. So that's who he is. Let's talk about what he does. And for that, I'm going to show you guys a video from a group called The Bible Project. And if you've never Googled these people, don't because it'll ruin most of my sermons for you. But you should check them out because these guys are absolutely amazing. Check this out. If you've ever heard the phrase, the Holy Spirit, and you want to know what it means, where do you start? Well, you have to start on page one of the Bible, where the uncreated world is depicted as this dark, chaotic place. But then above the chaos, God's Spirit is there, hovering, ready to bring about life and order and beauty. Okay, but what is God's Spirit? Yeah, so the Spirit is the way the biblical authors talk about God's personal presence. The Hebrew word is ruach. Ruach. Yeah, you got to clear your throat at the end. So what is it? Well, ruach can refer to a number of different things, but what they all have in common is energy. Energy? How so? So there's an invisible energy that makes the clouds move or the tree branches sway. Right. Wind. So in Hebrew, that's ruach. Okay. Now take a big breath. <sighs> so you feel that inside you. Yeah, the air? Well, specifically the energy, right? The vitality in your body that you get from breathing deeply, that too is ruach. And this is the same word used in the Bible to describe God's personal presence. Just like wind and breath are invisible, God's spirit is invisible. Wind is powerful, and so God's spirit is powerful. And just as breath keeps us alive, so God's spirit sustains all of life. Yeah, ruach. Now, as we continue on in the story of the Bible, we see God's ruach giving special empowerment to people for specific tasks. The first person in the Bible this happens to is Joseph. God's spirit enables him to understand and interpret dreams. And then it happens to this guy named Bezalel, and he's an artist. God's spirit empowers him with wisdom and skills. He's given creative genius to make beautiful things in the tabernacle. And we also see God's ruach empower a group of people called the prophets. They're able to see what's happening in history from God's point of view. That's exactly right. And here's the problem as the prophets saw it. While God's ruach had created a really good world, humans have given in to evil. They've unleashed chaos into it through their injustice. A new type of disorder. Yes, and the prophet said the spirit would come, just like in Genesis 1, but now to transform the human heart, to empower people to truly love God and others. How will this new act of God's spirit happen? Well, centuries pass and we are introduced to Jesus. And at the beginning of his mission, there's this beautiful scene where Jesus is being baptized in the waters of the Jordan River. Yeah, the sky opens up and God's spirit comes and rests on him like a bird. This story is saying that God's spirit is empowering Jesus to begin the new creation. And we see this happening when he heals people or forgives their sins. He's creating life where there once was death. Now, 
Israel's religious leaders oppose Jesus, and they eventually have him killed. But even here, God's spirit is at work. The earliest disciples of Jesus, who saw him alive from the dead, said it was God's energizing spirit that raised Jesus. This is the beginning of new creation. Yes, and it's still going. When Jesus appeared to his closest followers, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And soon after that, the Spirit powerfully comes on all of his disciples. So that they can become a part of this new creation and share the good news and learn how to live by the energy and influence of God's Spirit. And so today, the Spirit is still hovering in dark places. Yes, pointing people to Jesus, transforming and empowering them so they can love God and others. I love that, man. I think it's so cool. And and there was a word in that video that they used over and over and over. And there's all sorts of things we say about the Holy Spirit, but the word I really want to focus on today is a word I bet they used nine times in that video. Does anyone want to guess what it is? Power. Power. Over and over, they used the word power. They said the Holy Spirit empowered Joseph to, to, to understand dreams, to interpret dreams. The Holy Spirit empowered Betzla to be an artist. The Holy Spirit would empower people to heal. He empowered the prophets to, to see history the way God sees it. He empowered Jesus to begin his ministry. They say it was the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And then Jesus breathes on his followers and he breathes the Holy Spirit in them. And now they have power and they're doing all these amazing things. But the word, the constant that I see over and over when talking about the Holy Spirit is power. John 16, 7. This is cool. This is Jesus talking to his boys and he says, but very truly I tell you, it is good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus, who has all this power, is standing with his boys. And Jesus has raised people from the dead. He's done amazing things. And he's talking to them and he says, hey, guys, it's actually going to be good for you if I go away. And they're like, what? And he says, because I'm going to send you a helper, an advocate. And later on, he says, I'm going to send you one who is like me. And why is he like Jesus? Because he is, but not Jesus. He flows from God the Father as part of that trinity that we talked about. He says he's like me. He has a lot of my power, and he's going to empower you to live different. And when he shows up, you are going to understand what real power is. And then Acts 1.8. This is cool right here too, man. This is Jesus talking to his boys again, and he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will have power. And one day, that's exactly what they experienced. These guys who, when Jesus was arrested, his closest friends, they ran and they hid. Because they crucified Jesus, and so they were like, man, if they crucified him, maybe they'll crucify us. So these guys who followed Jesus, they ran and they hid. And they remembered what they were supposed to do. So when Christ comes back and he's walking with them and he says, I want you to go wait in this room. And they go wait in this room and they're scared to death because now Jesus, he died and he resurrected and he ascended back to heaven. And and they're waiting in this room. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit descends on the room in the form of flames. 
And they're like, this room is on fire. And they're, I mean, they're just, they're just going nuts. And they're like, oh my gosh. And all of a sudden, they've got all this power. And now they're going out in the street, and people actually think they're drunk because they're just like, they're doing all these amazing things. And they saw people healed, and they saw people raised from the dead, and they spoke languages that other people understood, and captives were set free. And that was their experience with the Holy Spirit. What's been your experience? Did I just describe it? What's, what's the difference? I was thinking about this this week. I was like, man, that was cool. That escalated quickly. Thinking about how amazing all that stuff was. And then I was like, man, what if I was in a C4 small group? Raise your hand, by the way, if you're in a C4 Connect small group. Good job. 830 had a little better average. That's all right. Y'all are catching up. Um, so I'm in a C4 small group, and my group, and this, this would obviously be my group, it's me, Peter from the Bible, Paul from the Bible, John, also from the Bible, and Barnabas from the Bible. And so I'm in a group with these guys, and we're sitting around, and we're having our discussion, and Katie has given us a discussion question. And the question we're to discuss is this, tell me about a time you have experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Peter's like, I'll go first. And we're like, yeah, you're the rock. And so Peter says, let me tell you, I remember the day after Pentecost, we were so full of the Holy Spirit. And I went out into the streets, the very streets where they crucified Christ. And I started preaching and I saw the power of the Holy Spirit come down. And I told people to repent and be baptized. And thousands of people fell to their knees and accepted Christ on that day. And the group would be like, yes, Peter, yes, Peter. And then John would go, let me go. I got one. John was like, Peter, you were there for this one. Remember the day we, we, we were full of the Holy Spirit and we went to the temple and we saw this lame man and we saw him with new eyes because now we actually cared. We saw this dude who hadn't walked in years and we said, get up and walk. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, this dude got up and was healed. Y'all remember that? And they're like, yeah, boy. We remember that. And then Barnabas, Barnabas says, I got a story. I remember the day the Holy Spirit came over me and and I gave away everything I had and laid it at the feet of the apostles. Everything. Because I realized I needed nothing but him. And ever since then, I've been following these guys around, doing all these amazing things. They're like, oh, yeah, Barnum. And then Paul goes, I got one, boys. And like, he always does. Paul's that guy in the group who talks a lot. And so Paul's like, I remember the night they threw me into prison. And we started singing. And the guards started singing. And the other prisoners started singing. And the doors of the jail blew off. And we walked out like this. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, Tommy, tell me about your time. And I'm like, all right, guys, listen. I remember one time in church when the band sang this song and I cried. And they're like, chirp, chirp, chirp. <laughs> then what, Tommy? Okay, glad you asked. Because the next week I came back to church and the Holy Spirit really didn't move because I was having a bad day and uh, the band didn't sing the song I liked and the pastor wasn't all that funny. But I came back the next week and my song and I cried again. And they're like, then what? And I'm like, well, then I cried. And they're like, well, then what did you do? 
No, you don't understand, guys. I cried in church because I was so emotionally moved. And they were like, well, that happened to me at Shawshank Redemption. That might not have been the Holy Spirit. What did you do after you cried? Did you go home? Did you you pour out blessings on your family? Were you more peaceful and patient and kind? Did you rescue a widow or an orphan? Did you give away everything you have? Did you heal somebody? Tell us what you did after you experienced the emotion because if you didn't do anything, then the emotion was wasted or it wasn't the Holy Spirit. And I would say, I would like a new C4 group because you guys are judgmental. Right? What did you do? What did you experience? We, we've, been, we, we've come to believe that the entire experience we have with the Holy Spirit is when he moves us a little bit on Sunday, when our worship is somehow amazing. And listen, your worship should be amazing, and the Holy Spirit does have a part in that. But the Holy Spirit doesn't exist to give you a good morning of worship. He exists to make your entire life an act of worship. And those are two very different things, <laughs> completely different. We expect to do whatever we want under our power for six days and then show up on seventh and God do some sort of magic trick. God's like, no, you don't know how I work. I worked for six days and rested on the seventh. You're trying to rest for six and work on the seventh. That's backwards. By the time we get into this place, we should be so full of the Holy Spirit sharing stories of signs and wonders that that God is just up there smiling going, y'all just be you. Just do it. Just do it. Naturally flows from you because we are so alive and full of his power. But something has happened. There's been a disconnect for us. We're like a, we're like a football team that, you know, they're in the huddle and they're like, all right, we're going to run this amazing play and you're going to go deep and we're going to throw a touchdown pass and the crowd's going to be wild. And the whole team is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they go out in the middle of the field and do this. They all sit crisscross applesauce and wait for something to happen. Crisscross applesauce. That's not going to get it done. He's like, no, no, I prepared you for the play. Now go and run it. And the people who will experience the power of the Holy Spirit are the people who actually run the play, the people who participate in the plan. If you've never experienced anything like those guys have experienced, it's because you've never tried anything like they did. I was reading this, and I was so convicted because I was like, well, I can't put my hand on someone and heal them. And God said, have you ever really tried? And I was like, not believing. Have you ever really set a captive free? Have you ever walked into a, a prison and blown the doors off? And I was like, That's, that wasn't my exact experience there. <laughs> I gave away my grits. But then he's like, have you tried? Like, have you ever tried? He's like, have you ever ordered your entire life around my rule and my reign, your finances and your free time and your hobbies and everything? Have you ever ordered everything you have around me? If you haven't tried that yet, then don't say I'm not powerful because you're not doing anything that requires my power. And the biggest sin we commit is this, and I'm convinced of this. We're not grieving the spirit. We are boring him. He's in us going, yeah, okay. You know I got all sorts of power, right? Let's do something. Let's do something that requires my power. Let's step out. Let's do something that cannot come to be if I don't step in. If you want to experience the power of the Spirit, you must take a chance on something powerful. But we're scared, aren't we? We're scared because what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't? 
what if, what if he doesn't? It somehow shakes my belief. Well, then you rely on the power of believing in what you cannot see. Because everything powerful the Spirit does isn't blowing doors off prisons. As a matter of fact, I don't recommend anyone goes to jail for the purpose of hopefully blowing the door off the prison. It's not a good idea. But a lot of times his power is in very different ways. For some of us, we just need the power to overcome an addiction. We need the power to forgive. We need the power to realize we need God. We need the power to walk across the room and speak to somebody. We need the power to give. We need the power to serve. We need the power to do anything that we cannot seem to do on our own. It's not always some big grandiose miracle. Some of us need the power to believe it's not some big grandiose moment. It's about that one person. And in that moment, something powerful happens. But there is power that we are not taking hold of. And he's here. And he's in us. And he's inhabiting this house. And he's the spirit of power. But we aren't seeing a lot of powerful things. Because we're not doing anything that requires it. And so my challenge this week is this. Do something that requires power. And you're like, what? I don't know. You talk to the Holy Spirit and ask him. What has he asked you to do a thousand times before, but you didn't because you didn't believe you could? You ever sat in a space and gotten that voice in your head that said, hey, speak to that person, but you didn't? That was your chance to unleash power. You ever sat in a moment and, and God said, I want you to look at, at some area of your life, your finances, or your time, and I want you to order them around me, and you didn't, and that was your chance to unleash power. Have you had the opportunity to go home and apologize to your spouse or your kids because you, you did something crazy? That was your chance to unleash power. And when you unleash a little power, a little more power is unleashed, and a little more power is unleashed. And before you know it, we might actually see what these people saw. But if we don't ever do anything that requires any power, the only power we'll ever experience is the power we can manifest on our own. And I don't know about you, but I want more than that. I don't want to see signs and wonders. I want to be a sign and a wonder. I want to be so full of power that people experience that power through me. And for that to happen, we must believe that there's more to our relationship with Christ than what happens in this moment and in this room. So let me ask you a question. What will you do with the emotion you receive today? Box it up and leave it in that seat. Let me tell you, someone else is going to sit in that seat again before you. They'll steal it. Or will you do something? Take the emo We're about to sing a song, Spirit Breakout. It's one of my favorite songs ever. And every time I hear it, I get the warm fuzzies. But the warm fuzzies don't mean anything if I don't go out and change the world. So today, allow the emotion to fuel a fire. And then go out there and set something on fire. Don't just receive this. Go and do it. There is power in the Holy Spirit. Receive that power. And in some way this week, live like you have it. Amen.